All right. Well, we're going to get, we're going to continue. This is the last, the fifth week of our sermon series called The Ugly Truth. And we've been working through Matthew 18. Um, and if you haven't heard the first four or so, um, you can go into our Podbean, um, just the Aces Family Church, on the, uh, download the Podbean app, the Aces Family Church, and you can listen to all our sermons. They're uploaded there on a Monday and a Tuesday. So please go listen to the rest of it. And uh, we've been through some challenging um, explanations over the last few weeks about what Matthew 18 really meant. And this week I'm even going to rattle you more. So don't like me. Listen carefully to what I've got to say to you. And go examine or go study what I'm going to say to you this morning. Because I know a lot of what I'm going to say this morning is complete opposite to what you've been taught. All right. So bear with me this morning. But we're going to continue to read and we start from Matthew 18, verse 18. Kathy touched a little bit on it last week. And so I'm going to move um, further on to, sorry, verse 15, 18, 15. And I'm going to start from there this morning. Okay, verse 15 says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, and tell them to the church. But if he refuses um, even to hear the church, let him be like a heathen and a tax collector. Assured I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And again I say to you that if two or three agree on earth concerning anything that you ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. I want to just log off there this week and just... Um, chat a little bit around that because we've been taught a lot of things um, when it comes to church life. The concern I often have in church life is that, that often we sit in church and we listen, but we don't go and examine what gets preached. We just hear what a man's opinion is, and often what you hear from the pulpit is a man's interpretation of what the scriptures really meant. And so the man often will give you, or a woman will give you that interpretation from where they are. You know, so if they came through, you know, if they came through a horrible divorce, they will speak to you from that point of view. If they came through financial problems, they will speak to you from that point of view. If they are just spiritually down, they'll speak to you from that point of view. And it's important to understand the Word of God. It's important to get stuck into the Word, not just understand the Word, but I believe that you also got to examine the Word of God. And what does the Word of God really say to us? Now, I'm going to give you three things this morning that I want you to grab a hold of because there's three mistakes that we've made in church life, including me, for 23 years. I've done exactly what I'm going to preach this morning, against this morning. You see, when it comes to Matthew 18, 15, um, to verse 21, 20, we divided it into three categories. And so the first part that we deal with, we say, well, we're dealing with church discipline. And so the first part from 15 to 16 and 17 is basically saying, well, if your brother sins against you, what you need to do, you need to go speak to him in private and tell him about his mistakes and what he's done wrong. If he does not listen to you, basically he says, then you take two or three witnesses with you and then you go speak to him. If he still does not want to listen, the Bible basically says, kick him out, the church. That's what it basically says. 
Because, you know what? Heathen or king like a tax collector. That's what the Bible says. That's what it says this morning. That's the first part. Then the second part about the scripture that we take as another complete opposite theology or opposite thing is the thing of, I surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so we take that as a complete, completely different doctrine. Because you think the first one and the second one divided. The last one that we all use is where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of you. And so far when we use that thing, when they want a big crowd, not many people rock up. You know, when we have a prayer meeting before, you have oh, thank you, Father, just two or three of you in name, there you are in the midst of us. Completely wrong. Not that he's in the midst of us, but the interpretation of that is completely wrong. Because from verse 15 to verse 21, he's dealing with one aspect, and that one aspect alone, discipline. It's not divided. Hear me, and I want you to study this. Because already there's this hush silence in this place this morning. But I want you to go study this. The first part about the scripture, he speaks about when your brother sins. Now, interesting, it says in, in, in the New Living Translation and in, in some of the NIVs, it says, when your brother sins against you. In the other translation, it just says when your brother sins. It's a big difference in some of the translations. But it says that if your brother said, if you see that your brother is in visible sin, or your sister, all right, is in visible sin, he says it's your responsibility as his friend or as his fellow believer to go and discuss it with him. To point out that what he is right is doing wrong and what he's doing right. The tough thing about that kind of decision is this, is that often we can only correct people out of a relationship with someone else. I cannot correct someone that I don't know from a bar soap. Uh, because you know what happens? I can, but what happens then? An offense gets taken. So he says to me that when you have a friend, when you have a brother, now listen carefully, that when you have a brother that you love so much, that means so much to you and his life and you see him gain down the road that you don't believe in a sense, this is my paraphrasing, but you don't believe that God has prepared for him. The word of God says, go and pluck him out of his sin almost. Sit him down and say, hey, what do you think is not right? Leave your secretary alone. No, you cannot claim, no, you cannot claim your KTM 990 on delivery part in your taxes. And it's important that we do these kinds of things. Because you know what the problem is, especially with people like me, is that we hate conflict. The problem is that if we hate conflict and we look at our brothers, all right, and we don't want to discipline and say, hey, what you're doing is wrong, you know what happens? Is that we're watching them pass from where he is right now into destruction. That if we do not confront certain stuff, you know what happens? Is that they go down the road and it even gets worse and worse and worse for their lives to a place where you can't even get them to turn around their wicked ways. I, Shantana, I went to the Duncan this week to go visit Keegan, and um, I wasn't pleased for 15 years. I've seen the worst of the worst. But let me tell you something. On Wednesday, I was shocked out of my mind. Chantal laughed at me because she knew that I didn't know what to expect. But I walked into the Duncan, and there must have been about the one place that we went to, 
must have been much fucky gods. Doesn't matter of color, creed, nationality, race, criminal history, whatever. Dressed in purple, locked behind bars in one room. You know what my first thought was? Where's the church? Do you know what the saddest part about it was? Two of our members behind those bars. The one I didn't even know was there. And I looked and I thought, how is this going to bring about healing? How do you lock 40 people in a room that from bipolar to depression to suicidal tendencies to criminal records to, and say, you know what, you guys will be okay. And then all we do is we give you these little pills, smarties, that make you feel really good. And half of them pass out and other half become jolly. How do we do that kind of stuff? And I often wonder how much or how many of those people are there simply because their friends did not correct them in the things of the Lord. You know what the saddest thing about those people standing there, sitting there? Is that most of them don't get visited by family at all. There isn't even that kind of relationship. And the word speaks about, it says, that when you love someone close to you, a brother in Christ, a person that sits next to you in a church, a person that works with you, a person that, that you love in the Lord, it is our responsibility at times to correct them in the error of their ways. And I don't speak about being an absolute nonner about it. I'm saying about in, in love and respect. And with courtesy. You know, often we've got to say the simple thing. It's just the Holy says to me, why don't you treat people the way you want them to treat you? How, how would you like to be disciplined in your sin? Or in your difficult moments? And so the Bible carries on. He says that what you do is this. That you go speak to Graham. Say, Graham, you know what you're doing is not right. And Graham says, well, well, you know, you just go eat my shoe, whatever. So then I go fetch Fernando because I know Fernando loves Graham as well. And then I go fetch Chantal, because I know Chantal loves Graham as well. I'm not picking on strange people. I'm looking for two or three people that are in the same relationship with Graham that I am with him in. Amen? And we've got to discuss it with him. And the word carries and says, well, if you still don't know, listen, then treat him like a tax collector or a heathen. Now, I physically see in church that kick people out of church completely. With things like this. I don't agree with it. The word of God does say it. He didn't say kick him out of the church. He just treat him like a heathen. Withhold your love from him. But then he carries on. And he makes a statement that we think is a separate thing. And he says, um, and if you, oh, sorry, in verse 18 says, and surely I say to you this, he says, um, if you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loosed on earth, will be loosed in heaven. Now this is a strange thing because I've heard people binding and loosing things that you cannot believe. I've heard people bind the demon of negatine. I've never found the demon of negatine in the Bible. You know, the demon of overspending. I've never found it. During this week, we, there's a lot of us, there's a few of us, Ruan's helping me as well, and we're working on the new Sunday school area and we're painting and fixing up stuff. And there's times where we become real interesting discussions, you know. I've got a, a Malawian, 
Is a Babuyan, one from Mount Pleasant and myself. <laughs> and so these dis discussions happen. And my, my Zimbabwean, my, my little Zimbabwean pastor says this. He says to Ruan and myself, he says, he speaks to Ruan, he says, Ruan, he says, if it's not in the Bible, it's not the truth. <laughs> and Ruan myself could try to explain something to him. No, no, no. If it's not in the Bible, it's not the truth. He says, God. And I thought about that when we left, and I thought, that's very cool to have that mindset. That if the word of God does not speak about it, see, this is the problem we have, is that you and I want to interpret this Bible in a way that suits you and me. We want to find stuff in this Bible that aren't there. We want to justify our behavior through this word. And so all of a sudden, you know, when it comes to biting and loosing, everyone believes that the biting and loosing that Jesus is speaking about here is in the time of delivery. It's not that. It's got nothing to do with demonic forces. It's got nothing to do. Do you really think that you have got the ability to bind something on earth and bound in heaven? Do you really believe that you can still lose something in heaven and it be loose on earth? Do you really believe that you've got the authority to tell God what to do? Let's just think about that quickly. Now, binding and loosing in the Jewish, all right, in the Jewish, in the Jewish belief system or the Jewish messianic belief was this, that the high priest of the time, all right, would make a ruling. And the ruling would be, and he would say this, very simple, his ruling would be to forbid in an undisputable authority, with undisputable authority, and to permit with an undisputable authority. So that means that the high priest, the Jewish people, would decide what would be allowed in church and what would not be, what would be forbidden. He said what we the priest would able to release on earth and what the priest would be able to bind on earth. But it's got to do with church matters. It's got to do with church discipline. It's got nothing to do with the spirit of negatine. It's got nothing to do with all these things. We cannot just say, well, I've heard you, well, I'll lose the finances of heaven above you. Now it's not what he's speaking about. What he's speaking about here is this that when we come to church discipline, we have to follow the authority of the church. And he says very simple. He says that the priest on those days will make a decision what would be allowed and what would not be allowed in church. So what he would bind on earth, he say, this is not permitted in this church, and I know that because it will not be permitted in heaven. Or he says, this will be allowed in church because I know that it will be permitted in heaven. That's very different. That's very different to what we've been taught. But so you say, after 23 years, I've been biting and using everyone. I wonder why there was no result. <laughs> I just thought, I would just thought, well, bad at deliverance. But it's a real thing. This is what the Word of God says. This is what He is speaking about. And yet somehow we find that, that well, the first thing is discipline, and we need to come out of the church, and then secondly, you know, whatever we find, whatever, no. Listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully. We need to study the Word of God and understand these things. You see, the whole thing about binding, and, and the whole thing about binding and loosing was a simple thing. A forbidding, all right, and a permitting. That's what it's about. Galatians 6, and I want to just read this to you quickly. Galatians 6 verse 1, we should all know the scripture. Galatians 6 verse 1 says this, 
Sure. Oh, what, is it Galatians? Oh, I mean Ephesians, sorry. Wrong one. I was so close. 140. Ephesians, Galatians, Galatians. Here we go. Galatians 6 says this, 1. It says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in his trespasses, you are spiritual, restore such a one as in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself less and all that you also be tempted. What is he saying? No. You know, Kurt, I go to the bar every day, eh? Because there's this guy that I want to get saved there. <laughs> Come on. We've had that stuff. I entertain certain stuff because I just want to get them saved. I had a couple once who were in this church that she was into witchcraft and he was a Christian. And she used to bring little crystals to church and all that kind of stuff. And he was convinced that he's going to get her saved. Did it happen? No. That when you mull around the things of the enemy, the things of the enemy start to get to you at the end of the day. And so we've got to understand that stuff. That when you don't want something in your life, you've got to abstain from it completely. Completely. You've got to cut it off. You've got to get rid of it. You've got to throw it away. It carries on and says this. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. He says, for if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own works and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in one another. For each one shall bear his own load. Let him who taught the word share in all good things with the one that teaches. Notice verse 7 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever man sows that he shall reap. It's a big thing. It's a big thing to understand because 99% of us sitting in this room this morning believe that the binding and the loosing had to do with demonic spirits. Right or wrong? And yet we've made three theologies out of three different sentences. He's still speaking about church discipline. He's still speaking about church discipline. That's, wait, wait, let's get in further. So the next part of the scripture says this. Where two or three agree on something on earth, it will be done. Where two or three people gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Like I said to you, pastors normally use that when people don't attend prayer meetings. And they just to justify the oh, thank you, Jesus, only two or three of us. No, it's terrible that there's only two or three of you. But we used to justify. But that's not what that scripture is about. That scripture continues, and I need you to study this because come here looking like you've been. <laughs> Because this carries on. This carries on. And it says this. Remember, bring a witness. He says, bring a witness. What does 15 say? Bring a witness of two or three. If he still does not listen, he says, then treat him like a tax collector or, or, or heathen. This carries on. And he says, so when two or three agree on something on earth, what is he speaking about? He's speaking about the fact that when prayerfully, when prayerfully, Fernando and Chantal and myself see God's face because Graham does not want to listen to our discipline. That is what he's talking about when two or three are gathered in my name. We're seeking a resolution to what we're going to do with our brother because we love him that much. That's what it's about. It's not about numbers. 
It's not, what happens if there's only one of us that rock up for prayer with you? You say me their prayer is not going to be answered? You're going to say Jesus is not in the midst of us on our prayer time? That's what the word says. If we take like that, if two or three are gathered, he's in the midst. If there's not two or three, is he not there? Let's think logically about this stuff. It doesn't make sense. But it makes sense when he says that when we're dealing with discipline, one, we go to our brother in love. Two, if he doesn't listen, then we find two or three people that will go with us, that are also in relationship with him. And we will deal with him, and we still will not listen. You've got to understand something, that the measure of rule, your canon, your measure of rule as to whether he should be disciplined or not must come from what has been loosed in the church and what has been bound in the church. What has been not permitted and what has been permitted. You see, I can't go, go criticize Graham and discipline him because he's reading out of the NIV Bible. Bible. And you can only use the King James Bible. But he will not listen. That's not what it's about. What does the Word of God say about these things? When I study this stuff, you're going to understand something. I've got my degrees and all that kind of stuff. And I've never studied this. I've never studied Matthew 18. I've never studied what the Lamb, the one and the 99 meant. I never studied what binding and loosing meant. Because I just got taught to some Pentecostal pastor, this is what we use. And this is what we do during deliverance. And when the tendency is bad, we taught me to use the other scripture. Well, two or three are gathering one and there I am in the midst of them. Where two or three agree, some of it is done. Where two or three agree, prayerfully, that the only resolution that we have for our brother is that we don't know what to do with him, but we trust that God will give us the wisdom to bring correction to his life and bring him back into the flock. Remember last week, the week before us, I spoke about it? Is that we always speak about the one. We always speak about the one. We always identify as the one. You know that he left the 99 for the one? Remember that? Were you guys here? Oh, you were here? Thank you. Remember we spoke about how we always relate to ourselves as the one, but we're not the one. We're the 99. You know who the one is? The one he's speaking about is a brother that has fallen. Does that make sense now? Are we getting this into context? It's not the one that Jesus leaves the 99 healthy sheep to go find one hillbilly that has disappeared. He's speaking about that he still wants the wholeness of all hundred. But one does not want to listen. Sorry, I'm picking on you, Graham. But one does, one does not want to listen. And so Jesus says, I'm going to leave the 99 healthy and I'm going to find my brother that is not listening. He's the one. He's the one. And if, and if he doesn't listen there, then you bring him to two or three. And if he still doesn't listen, then we look at the rules and say, what is bound and what is permitted and what is not permitted. And if that still does not work, the word of God says, then prayerfully we come together. And we allow the presence of God to fill the room. And as the presence of God fills the room, we trust God for wisdom to walk and correct our brother. What? Not to walk and correct him, but to bring him back into the family where he belongs. Not to kick him out. Not to put him on the streets. Not to ignore him. You see, there's a lot of ones that aren't here today. The 99 is here. 
But how many of the 99 this morning have noticed the one? How many have noticed the one that is not sitting in church at the moment? Because of sin? Because of bad decisions? Because of things he's done? Or she's done? And he says, well, if that's the case, then you need to go find your brother. You need to go find the one. And you need to go speak to them. And you need to explain to them that what they're doing is not right right now. And you need to explain to them this morning, carefully and thoughtfully, that this is what's permitted and this is not permitted. And then you need to say, if he does not listen to you, that you know what, I'm going to get my Chantal and myself and Fernanda together and we're going to seek God for what God wants to do in and through Graham's life. And can God give us the wisdom to bring him back and welcome him back into the family? That's very different to what we've been taught. Very different to what I've been taught, because I've been taught there are three different theologies. There are three different verses that I use all the time. Four, actually, you know. We use the one in the 99 sheep. We use the one correction. We use the one to bind and loose. We use the one with two or three gave them my name. There I am in the midst of him. It's important. But you've got to understand something, that everything that I'm speaking to you about this morning, I see most of you don't believe me, eh? <laughs> you guys are going to go study this when you get home, eh? Guys, go study it when you get home. You can say, oh, that's good, it's amazing. How do you know that stuff? <laughs> Google, Google. <laughs> no, I've been challenged. I've been very challenged in Matthew 18. But you see, Matthew 18 says a very simple thing. And it speaks about the family. It speaks about this. It speaks about fellowship. From, from the first verse, you know, it, spe it speaks about being little children. Who is the most important in the kingdom of heaven? Go read verse chapter 18 again. And actually, do yourself a favor. Go read chapter 18, but first read chapter 16. Because a lot of what he says in Matthew 16, he repeats in Matthew 18, which is quite amazing. But I want you to really just go look at the same and say, what does the word of God say? But you've got to understand that everything that I've preached over the last five weeks, whether you're the most important, whether you know, you're the lost sheep, whether you're the one that needs to be corrected, whether you're the 99, whether you're binding, whether you're using all these kinds of things, it only matters when you're part of a family. You see, I can go to the robot and I can find the beggar there that says, God bless you, little sign, feed me. And I can tell you that Jesus loves him. And I can tell him that what he's doing is not a good thing. But as a brother, I cannot correct him. You hear what I'm saying? You see, correction is done in love. Correction is done in relationship. Correction is done where two or three are gathered, sitting around the table saying, how do we sort out this problem? You see, that is not, it's not, it's, uh, uh, problems are not solved where two or three are gossiping in a corner or discussing things in a corner. That's not the way it works. And all of this of what I've said to you today, all the five weeks that I've taught and, and, and everything comes down to a simple thing. And it's this, that I need to say this to you, that it's your choice whether you're part of this family or not. Amen. Not one person, not one person is forcing you to be here. <clears throat> not one person is forcing you to give anything to this church. Not one person is forcing you to listen to leadership or to the eldership of this church. It's a free choice. And let me tell you something quickly. 
that if you're not believing in that and you don't believe in the leadership and you don't believe in this family and you don't believe in the vision and you don't believe in this function in the church, then I would ask you casually to leave. You know why? Because we, 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 we two cannot agree on something. You know what happens? Disunity forms. Hey? God put us together so that there would be unity in the body. You know what the word God says in Genesis? That the two shall become one. Who are we? Are we the bride of Christ? Are we the bride? Are we preparing for a banquet one day? So that means that that scripture relates straight to us. And the two shall become one. That means that you and I become one with Christ. We become one with the things that God does. But if there's disunity and you don't like Mike and you don't like Bonnie and you don't like Wally and you don't like, you know, um, uh, Stephen, you know, because, you know, he just, he's got such a good looking wife, whatever, you know. <laughs> are you part of the problem or are you part of the solution? Are you part of the family or are you dwelling outside of the family? Nick, 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 what's that guy that did the alpha course? Nick Unger, eh? Nicky, Nicky, what's Campbell? Nicky Gumbel says a very simple thing. I'm closing this. And he says that when you take a coal out of a fire and you put it one side, guess what? The fire continues to burn. Do you know what happens to the coal? It dies. Do you know how many people have left this church convinced that when they leave, it will close? And he prospers when they leave. But they tell you why they prosper when they leave, not because they're terrible people. It prospers because once again unity is restored in the body. We aren't gossiping about each other. We love each other. We're not speaking badly about each other. We love each other. We're not criticizing permanently because we think we know more. We are because we have one common goal. Simple. Whatever our belief systems in this church. One, that the lost will come to Christ, that those in Christ will grow. And that we would change our community around us. That's very simple. That's why you're sitting here. Because you believe in those three truths. You believe in the vision of this church. Yes, these are going to be completely different here. Yes, some of you might have to travel more. Most of you are going to travel less. But you know what? If we cannot get things right here amongst each other while we've got things in other places. And sometimes we need to sort out our stuff, sort out our little emotions. You know, stop at little tantrums. And maybe, the word, as the word says, go speak to your brother. You see, I can't speak to Mike about Chantal. It doesn't solve anything. We know how it works. Then if you've got a problem with Chantal, you can speak to Chantal. If you've got a problem with Lazan, you can speak to Lazan. Simple. And I think it's very simple things like that that we give you wrong in life, including me. Listen to me. Listen to me. So often, you know, we, we want to correct people or, or we get irritable what people say. But then we want to find one or two more people that, that, that feel the same way that I do. Not because you're right. You just want to feel justified. Does that make any sense? Like, I'm feeling like this about no need right now, you know? But I don't make, well, I'm going to tell you, know that, no, lean check. You, you check on Sunday. She wasn't sitting with her fiancé again. You know what's going on here. 
We laugh. That's how things start. Right or wrong? Right or wrong? Every bit of gossip that starts, starts from a little seed. Every problem we have in church life starts from a little seed. But I'll say this to you. And every blessing that we have also starts from a little seed. Choose your seed wisely. Amen? Okay, we're going to break.